Welcome to the first day of the rest of your NBA lives. I'm Ryan Rossillo, and by now you probably knew that unless you're just checking me out. Welcome. Um, here's the deal. Today's the opening of the NBA season. I feel like I have a million things that I want to get to, but I'm not sure that I put them in order correctly. So instead of worrying about it, we're not going to have any guests today. Sarudi is now married up, and Sarudi, because he's super efficient scheduling-wise, and no, I didn't go to the wedding, and I know everybody's... Uh, Sarudi didn't care, so as long as Sarudi didn't care, I wasn't going to worry about it. Um, I think I made up for it with a gift. He's not on the podcast today. It's Anthony, who's back in Bristol. Say hello, Anthony, to everybody. What's going on, guys? There you go. See? There you go. That's what Anthony sounds like. Um, so, yeah, I'm heading back to Connecticut tomorrow morning, and I'm going to be there a little while. So, I just wasn't going to be back there the entire time. Smallman did say well, why are you going back to Connecticut? I said, well, I'm going to do a bunch of sports centers with Van Pelt late at night for the opening of the NBA season. And she said, oh, it's too bad you're not closer with the guy that hosts the show and the producer so you could change around when you're going and then be able to still go to Surudi's wedding. And that stung. I'll admit that one stung pretty good. Uh, it hurt a little bit. But, uh, yeah, all right. So, I don't know. I guess I'm just admitting my open um, – I don't know if it's a guilt trip here or what, but, look, I feel bad. But, anyway, opening night we have two games – more games the rest of the week, and I want to get to some of the MVP stuff because I think that's important. I also want to do, even more important than that, the, all the moving pieces, all the rumory, gossipy type stuff, which may be 5% true, but it's still entertaining as hell. And I kind of want to get to this league and where we're at right now with this league because sometimes I love this league. And not do a little love-hate Matthew Berry thing here, or you can even go further back, love-hate, do the right thing. D batteries, D. But I love the league because I know who the stars are. And the stars are really important. And every other league that seems to suffer somehow, whether it's the current challenges for the NFL, baseball's challenges, which seem to be sometimes, I think, irreparable. And I'll even admit that the WNBA, which if you give it a chance and watch some of these dramatic playoff games, you probably like it more than you, I don't know, if you just want to admit or... um you know, like, oh my gosh, did I like the WNBA? Am I uncool now? Like, what's the problem? Like, I'm, I'm afraid of even saying something like that now, but you, you get my point. The leagues that have challenges always seem to blame the way the league conducts its business. How many times have you heard before with football, it's the name on the back of the jersey, not the front of the jersey, that they don't promote the stars other than the quarterbacks enough? I don't even think that's true. The NFL, with the ratings storyline of the last couple years down and now back up again, and I don't know if it's just because we're recording it differently. I don't know if it's because the games have actually been pretty incredible. I think there's only been really one dud NFL week. And I think when you look at Odell, J.J. Watt, Antonio Brown, even Le'Veon Bell, like, like other guys, non-quarterbacks, are promoted. And we know we can identify who those stars are. But in the NBA, the star run is a lot longer. Baseball said the same thing. Name on the front of jersey, not the name on the back. I don't know if anybody can ever save that sport. You know, Aaron Judge, there were actual articles written about Aaron Judge. Can Aaron Judge save baseball? Huge guy, both physically and personality-wise, in New York, good-looking, mashes home runs, a giant among men, and he's great in the postseason, too. But it doesn't matter. It's like, when are you, as a casual baseball fan, going, I wasn't going to watch, but now I'm going to watch because it's Aaron Judge against the Indians tonight? Like, I don't know if that happens to you anymore. And then the same thing out in L.A. with Trout, the best player in the game. Is it because it's his personality? Is it because baseball's doing this to him? Baseball's holding back Mike Trout? Is baseball holding back Shohei Otani? 
No, I don't think so. Now, granted, if Otani had been healthy this year, that's different. But even if he's healthy and is the Japanese Babe Ruth in Los Angeles and say the Angels are even in first place, is that because if that's not enough of a storyline to get more casual people involved in baseball, then I don't know what is. And I've even heard WNBA players going on different forums saying, oh, the reason our league doesn't do well enough, the reason it isn't this, the reason it that, is because the league doesn't promote our stars. And now I'm just starting to realize that everyone that has a problem with their league or the way their league is not succeeding the level that they hope it would or their own personal success, they don't want to blame the league. They don't want to blame the product. They want to blame the way the league is marketing something that may not be as good or may not be as consumed as something like basketball. Because the same thing happens in my industry. Talk to any guy who's had a show, and if the show didn't do well, and I'm going to tell you from experience here, that you're never, ever going to blame yourself. You're only going to blame the things around you, okay? Because I've had shows that I thought could do better, and immediately I go, well, it can't be me, right? I'm awesome at this. I'm really good. There's no way it can be on me. It has to be because someone in ESPN didn't get the show or they didn't promote it enough. You know what I mean? And a lot of times it is on that person because I've had friends that have had shows that maybe didn't do as well as everybody wanted it to do. And yet I thought, wait a minute, like, hey, what happened with your show? And they'll say, well, you know, didn't get enough promotion. Wasn't any support internally. Wasn't any of those things. And I'll go, I don't know, man. I actually think you guys got a ton of promotion. But nobody wants to admit any of those things. And with the NBA, the reason I do love it is that it doesn't deal with any of that stuff. Are you saying it's a little too star heavy? Sure. But at least we know who those guys are. And at least we know that they're going to be around a long time. And at least we know that they're sort of worthy of all of that love. Now, can I also hate it? Sometimes because of that. Yeah, I think the Jimmy Butler thing's a perfect example. The power of the star in the NBA is unique, but it's also kind of the point when there are only a few of these guys. And I don't even know how long that list is after LeBron, because if I said it's LeBron Durant, you'd go, wait a minute. What could Durant do before he hooked up with Golden State? All right, fine. If I said Curry, I know you guys are going to crush me being like, you really think Curry can do this on his own? No, I don't mean it on his own, but I think he changes who you are as a team. Okay, well, what about Kawhi? All right, but is that the Spurs system? You know, we can do this. There's five or six guys that I feel pretty good about putting in that top group, and everyone will want to put Giannis in there, and I think Anthony Davis has to be mentioned too. But, like, to this point, like, do you put Giannis in that group when we haven't even talked about a conference finals yet? Do you put Anthony Davis in that group if you're not even in a conference finals yet? I don't think you can do that kind of stuff. But the the love and the importance for these stars can also make him insufferable at times. And Jimmy Butler's the king of this right now. Now, I my Jimmy Butler timeline is very specific. It is me loving his story, loving him coming out of Marquette, turning himself into an all-star. I took his side in Chicago because when Rose came back, it was a mess, and Butler was better than him. And now that Butler went to Minnesota, they make it into the playoffs, You think they have something to build on, and now we're learning two different things. I don't know if something happened between these guys as teammates. I don't know if, as Windhorse pointed out a couple podcasts ago, that Butler asked for an extension to kick in for this year where the Wolves are going to have to clear about $19 million in cap space to get him that deal, which is going to be really challenging to do and make no sense from a competitive standpoint. So now as I sit here and say I love the Stars and love how identified they are, I can also say that I hate this part of it because these dudes – aren't about winning the way they say they're about winning. Just because you say you're all about winning doesn't mean you're all about winning. It's this 
it's this unbelievable, it's like this Instagram version of your life where you're telling everybody the right thing to say or to think, and yet you don't follow it. Like some of these dudes, I can't believe the BS that some of these rappers tweet every morning on Twitter. Like it's some sort of rule where you just have to tweet like, man, all is love, God, blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, wait a minute. Are you like, did you do this because you thought you saw like 10 other guys do it and now you think you have to do it? So when Butler says, and this isn't even specific to Butler all the time, I'm just using him as the most recent example of this. When he says, well, I'm all about winning to Rachel Nichols. Well, you're not. Because if you were all about winning, you wouldn't want to go to Miami where the top two players aren't as good as the top two players that you have in Minnesota. And if you want to knock Wiggins right now, that's fine. But there's no one on Miami's roster now or moving forward that's even close to Carl Anthony Towns. So what really these guys are saying, the stars that I many times love, they're saying, I want my money, and if I win, that'd be cool. And then if I don't win when I get my money, I'm going to say, hey, this team hasn't done enough to support me. And then when they bring in, if they're lucky enough, and I'm lucky enough to bring in somebody else that's really special, and then they can help me, I'm going to say, hey, man, I'm cool with the help as long as you still know that I'm the one. Because I'm a one. And I'm not a one who can win this on his own. But I just got to make sure you know you're still a two. And if there's ever a moment where you think is the two that you're the number one, then I may not want to be here. So I can do this thing as a superstar where I can say I'm all about winning. I can say, you know, it's not about the money, but yet I'm not giving up a dime on any of the transactions. I can say I'm not getting enough help. And then I can say once I get the help that I don't really want your help because your help is detracting away from the way that I want to still be the number one guy. And that's part of this league where my friends who don't like it, I go, yeah. I'm with you on that. I love this league because it's petty. I love this league because before certain pre-shows that I've done for television or even radio, they go, all right, you see what happened? I'm like, no, I, you know, I don't know what happened. Lori Marketing unfollowed Zach Levine on Instagram. We have a new open. Really? We're going with that? And the thing is, is now it's actually funny enough, and the younger generations of, of fans for the NBA, like they eat all this stuff up. And when you look at the social reach of the of the NBA and specifically some of its stars, like this is a league that's consumed in a in a way that every like every other league should be jealous of the way the NBA has this thing. So the petty part of it is really funny. Um, it's funny to learn about Kevin Durant's burner accounts and ask yourself, could you ever be that concerned about stuff if you were that famous? But as we've learned, and I, the lesson I always try to tell everybody all the time, like a lot of times in this league or just in human. Yeah, it's not even basketball. Human nature. It doesn't matter how successful you, you are. You're paying attention to what people are saying about you. And it's up to you to decide how you want to react. And Durant obviously went too far, was weird about it. I thought his apology was great. But yeah, it's still a little weird. But if he's doing it, that doesn't mean you know, like he's not on his own. And that actually becomes incredibly entertaining once you get past the part of like, man, would I ever do that if I were arguably the second best player in the NBA? And it's super easy to say, no, I wouldn't until you're actually him. And only he is him, right? There's only one other guy. Look, LeBron used to follow Skip Bayless on Twitter. And I pointed it out on the show. I was like, I can't believe. This is years ago, back with Van Pelt. I'd be like, why would he follow Skip Bayless? Unless LeBron hates Aaron Rodgers, too. So maybe that would be the common theme there. I also hate the league because it's petty at times. And it's really petty generationally. I cannot imagine. there being, like Imagine if you watched all of the kickoff shows for NFL Sunday 
And all of the former players spent time trashing everyone playing in today's game. You know? I mean, granted, yes, the rules are different. There's less contact. We know this. We know the NFL struggles with everything that's happened in the early part of this season. But imagine if Howie Long and Michael Strahan and, you know, the guys on ESPN and Randy Moss, Charles Woodson. I mean, those guys just got done playing. You know, Rex can beat up on some people every now and then, too, but that's part of the job. But the NBA consistently, on its best shows, trashes today's players, which, again, is as dumb as it gets. You can say you don't like the style. You can say there are too many threes. But this idea that in the 80s and 90s, everyone was just tackling everybody and no one could ever make a layup is so stupid. I beg you, I beg you, if you, and you may not want to admit this, but go back and watch some 80s and 90s games on YouTube. Go watch them. And if you haven't, you are going to laugh hysterically going, wait a minute. What, what's going on here? Like what, why? Like yes, there were some physical plays in the playoffs. Yes, there was more hand checking, but it wasn't this thing where no one could score. And when we had Oscar Robertson on that show years ago with me on Mike and Mike, and he was like, yeah, you just have to pick up Steph Curry full court, problem solved. And I'm thinking, hey, I know I can't win with Oscar Robertson. I can't win. In the court of public opinion, I am going to lose, but I just couldn't let it go. I'm like, so you think the 29 other coaches just haven't thought of picking up Steph Curry full court? That's it. You're the only guy that has the key, the magic key to this this Zelda kingdom of stopping Steph Curry. And he was convinced of it. And that part is hilarious to me that you have this generation of ex-players that are so petty about today's success. And I don't know if it's about the money. I don't know if it's about the popularity of it. You know, I don't... Like, would you sit there and think because you had it so bad during your years in the league that you just would refuse to give future players credit? Like, that seems really weird. I wouldn't say counterproductive because I don't think it really, like, doesn't benefit, you know, holds these these previous generations back. But, man, that seems really weird. And yet when I watch, and I still want to do this, I want to pitch a show at ESPN where I sit around with today's players, and it'll probably have to be during the off season or some downtime, and watch an 80s game or watch a Pistons game and go, okay, yeah, guys were bigger and it was a little bit more physical here and there, but these guys are going to have to pick us up as soon as we cross half court and things are going to be open. There was less space there because people played with less spacing. So, you know, you could talk about how physical it was at the hoop, but, you know, a lot of the stuff... um, a lot of the stuff was congested because you weren't stretching the floor out with five freaking shooters. And a final love-hate here. I love this league because it starts tonight, and I also kind of hate this league because it starts tonight. I mean, God, already? We haven't even got the college football playoff rankings out yet. All right, so that one is more me selfishly, so I know no one agrees with me on that last one, so I don't really hate it. But, yeah, I when everything starts overlapping in my world, and I'm going, well, wait a minute, what am I going to do tonight, and how am I going to get all these games in? Um, I'll find a way. We will do the Atlanta Hawks depth chart a little bit later. We'll do the MVP stuff, but coming up next, right after word from Robin Hood, we will uh, run through some of the gossip, uh, maybe you know, almost a year before any of it actually happens. Robin Hood is an investing app. Ooh, I'm already in that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. Non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. Simple and intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way, cost, no commission fees. 
Other brokerages charge up to 10 bucks for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. Trade stocks that keep all of your profits. The design, it's easy to use, easy to understand charts, market data, place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. Robinhood's web platform also lets you view stock collections, 100 most popular, sectors like entertainment and social media, and curated categories like female CEOs, whoa, and analyst ratings of buy, hold, sell for every stock. Learn by doing. Learn how to invest as you build your portfolio. So if you're just getting started, Robinhood's going to be really simple, really easy for you to just some of the other stuff can be super intimidating. Check it out. Discover new stocks and track favorite companies with personalized news feed. You can just sign up for this thing. You don't have to start investing right away. Just start tracking stuff. See if your instincts are any good on it. Custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at Rosillo, Robinhood.com. All right. That's Rosillo, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O dot Robinhood.com and get investing or at least start learning about it. So you can follow along when we talk about Nike stock and Kaepernick. Okay. So as we try to dig through all this stuff and, you know, the, the love hate thing, I hope you guys understand is it's very, some of it's real and some of it's, you know, I don't know if it's tongue in cheek because that's not true because it, it, it's hitting a little closer to home on that. It's that, you know, I accept. Of the things that I enjoy in life, I accept the parts that aren't great, right? So the NBA movement can be annoying, it can seem selfish, it can be all these things drama-ridden, and I don't think we as fans love when players call the shots, although I don't mind players exercising their power. Um, it's unprecedented power that, that we've seen with these guys now. But I, I think it's... I think it's okay to also understand and acknowledge like, hey, I'm a New Orleans Pelicans fan and I love Anthony Davis. And if he pushes his way out in a year, like that's going to bum me out. Okay. Like I don't, I don't think that means you're anti or you're pro the establishment, pro the man. If you're bummed out with a player deciding where he wants to go. And as I've constantly, constantly talked about this, I'm always shocked at what level we now defend players when it's like, oh, well, you got to get your money. You'd be like, so there's absolutely no tact to be taken. None. None that could be taken where you'd say, oh, you know what? That's kind of a bummer. And I think some of this Jimmy Butler stuff is, is a bummer because the whole thing, I'm a winner, I'm a winner, I'm a winner. No, you're not. You just want your cash. And maybe you hate Wiggins and Towns. And maybe I'd even agree with you a little bit on the softness and wanting those guys to be a little bit tougher. But don't get up there and tell me you're just straight about winning because you're going to be going to teams, it seems like, that are lesser than what you have. But the Butler thing is tied into a lot of the other teams and how they're going about this. I don't think Anthony Davis will be with the Pelicans after this year. I don't know that it's a lock to the Lakers. Some of the rumblings that you're starting to hear more and more and I, I think this is true, is that I don't know if that many other stars want to come to the Lakers and play with LeBron. I didn't I didn't really know how I felt about that theory being out there until I started doing more phone calls the last week and a half. And it just, again, from the gossipy stuff, if Durant leaves Golden State after this year, I don't think it's going to be to go join LeBron. I don't. Now, LeBron not getting Durant this year, you know, I'd gotten into a fight a little bit on the phone with Will Kane when I called into his show because he was saying, oh, no one wants to play with LeBron, no one wants to play with LeBron. Um, and he used Durant not going to the Lakers this year as a reason why. And I go, you know, look, if Durant doesn't like LeBron, and I'm not sure, you know, I'm not even mean personally, I'm not trying to plant the seed that they don't like each other because I don't know that, okay? But... Durant not wanting to leave Golden State in another perfect situation, trying to make a run at a, in another title, like that's not a knock on LeBron. Now, if Durant were to go to the Knicks instead of the Lakers, 
Um, you know, does that mean he doesn't like LeBron? Again, I don't, I don't know the definitive answer to that. I think what I would say is if Golden State's worried about Durant leaving, you go to him, you go, okay, let's, let's look at this. Because you left Oklahoma City because you weren't basketball happy and you came to Golden State to be basketball happy. And yes, people have crushed you and we know, you know, look, you can't say like, hey, you're a wicked sensitive dude. So, you know, let's try to work with that. Um, so are you leaving Golden State to prove something to the critics? Because the critics are always going to be there, okay? The thing about critics, like hardcore trollish type critics that are always going to hate on you no matter what, when you succeed, all they do is move the goalposts, okay? Whether it's guys like me on television or people that are anonymous on Twitter, if you end up surpassing the thing they said you could never do, then they're just going to move the goalposts because no one's going to want to say that they're wrong. So if you're Durant, like I would ask him, are you doing this? Would you potentially go to the Knicks because you want to prove the haters wrong that you can go and win and do this on your own? And I don't know what the Knicks basketball situation is going to be. Like on paper, there's a version of it with Porzingis. If Knox is really good, if Porzingis is healthy, by the way, it's Nilakina and you add Durant to that, then yeah, I could see a version of that that, you know, that's pretty good. I don't think you go, oh, look at Boston, Boston stacks, and now I don't want to go to the East. Like, you know, we can't keep doing that all the time with every single possible player transaction that you have to go to the team that only is then number one, a number one seed in that conference. But I think the concern about Durant leaving Golden State is very real. I also think that's why the Knicks, whether it's not liking Butler or not wanting to mess with any of your cap space, the Knicks are just going to lay out on all of this stuff, hoping that they can stack it up four. That would be my guess. Um, stack up any possible way of going ahead and getting Durant. And that's going to be the conversation that Durant is going to have to have either with himself and the people around him is that, can I go to New York? And if I do this on my own, does that mean that I've taken it to another level? Does that mean that I've passed LeBron? You know, I don't know. I mean, like I would hate to go if I were a player, leave a really good situation where I'm getting criticized to then what go to a worse situation. So I'm criticized less like the way I, that's just, I explain that out loud. Like that doesn't seem to make a ton of sense. Um, so then let's look at the next player. Kawhi. Kawhi, the Clippers are all in on him. The way the Knicks, I feel like, are going to be all in on Durant. Um, I don't know if the Clippers would be as worried about the Butler-Kawhi dynamic, but apparently, like, I don't know that LeBron's crew and all LeBron wanted Jimmy a lot. I think they did want Kawhi. I don't know if it's that Kawhi doesn't want to go and play with LeBron. Um, and that could even get back to some of the Anthony Davis stuff. It's just that more than I've ever heard before, I'm hearing more rumblings about like, hey, you know, from this group or this camp, I don't know if this guy, fill in the blank, superstar in the NBA, if that guy's in a hurry to go play with LeBron. So then, whether it's Kawhi having his mind completely changed in Toronto, and I still think odds are that he leaves, but then again, let's see how the year plays out. All of us thought the same thing with Paul George. A lot can change. You can end up just going, you know what, this is a lot of fun. We had a great year. What if Kawhi wins an MVP? And he's just, you know, look, it's not about the money. He's going to get all the money that he wants. So Kawhi, I'm not doing predictions here, but like Clippers, I think he's their number one target. I think Jimmy's still in play there. Durant's the number one target for the Knicks. And ultimately, I think it's going to be an Anthony Davis decision on whether or not Anthony Davis, after this year, wants to get out and... Is it because he's hooked up with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports, LeBron's crew, and decides that he wants to play with LeBron? Because, let's face it, that agency wants Anthony Davis in Los Angeles to help the number one guy in LeBron 
more so than they want him going to Boston. Forget the L.A. Boston thing, but going to help a Kyrie. I still think Boston could trump any trade offer to New Orleans for Anthony Davis unless Brandon Ingram turns into a stud this year. And then you start doing this thing where it's like, well, wait a minute, if this guy got really, really good, then we'd want to give you even less if Anthony Davis calling the shots and telling the rest of the world that, you know what, if you trade for me, I'm not not going to sign an extension. But now, who knows? With George staying and Kawhi staying, does that change the thought process by front offices deciding to be more aggressive, going after guys that are threatening to not re-sign or do any kind of an extension? I don't worry about Kyrie out of Boston as much anymore after making more calls. And that could be something that gets in the way of the LeBron Lakers, or excuse me, the LeBron Lakers Anthony Davis thing. And this is all just, again, just gossipy kind of stuff. But if Kyrie is locked into Boston moving forward and Anthony Davis is reluctant about all of the drama in LA, and we don't even know if there's going to be any drama yet. You know, I think they're going to have a lot of lineup shuffles. I think they're going to have to figure this out. I think there's going to be a moment with this Lakers team. Whenever anything's new and they're not number one and they're not going to be rolling through the league, there's going to be some weird roster thing. And it may not even be a big deal other than just the common sense of there's a lot of different guys who have a lot of different desires on this team and how are they going to all fit together. And it may take some time. And then there's going to be two or three guys that are just upset. And... I don't know if that's the drama or the LeBron orbit drama that maybe some guys are turned off from. Having said all those things, that will be the biggest thing. Is Kyrie in it for the long haul in Boston? Is he selling something better than what the Lakers and Clutch are selling in Los Angeles? And that, I think, will be the big Anthony Davis decision argument throughout however long you know all this stuff goes on and the leaks and all that stuff that happens. As far as the Lakers themselves... I went on with Simmons yesterday, and we were talking about the win, and he said he hammered the over. Well, I don't know. I don't want to speak for him. I'm not in his wallet. But he said the over-under on the Lakers wins, 48-and-a-half. He goes, you know, I couldn't, you know, you just give me 50 every time it's LeBron. I'm not so sure of that. Um, I just, I worry about this team. I've said it a million times. I'm not saying they're going to stink because it's still LeBron. But Houston, Oklahoma City, Golden State. And I even love Jalen Rose's call as of today saying, look out for Denver because I kind of feel the same way. If they can be passable defensively and Jokic can give you something defensively, uh, that's, that's a team with that backcourt now that I'm starting to like more and more. I'm going to do MVP stuff and I'm going to do the Atlanta Hawks depth chart coming up next. I was really surprised. Uh, I want to do some of the MVP stuff here quickly, and then I'll do my picks. I just feel like my picks aren't that exciting. Um, LeBron is the favorite right now at plus 300. So some of this has moved a little bit. Uh, not claiming to be a line mover at all. But I want to go back here and look by year because I think there's something important to point out here with LeBron. Because it's not just, oh, LeBron's really good. He's the best player in the world, so let's make him the favorite. As I've always said, the MVP is voted, I think, more on storyline than anything else. And after Harden had another kind of end of the postseason run flame out, after finally winning one, and I don't have a huge problem with him not winning it prior to this. Other people have a huge problem with that. That's fine. Agree to disagree. But Harden winning it now, hes I don't think he's ever going to win another one. Westbrook, I don't think he'll ever win another one. I don't think Steph will ever win another one. Durant could. And LeBron hasn't won one in the last five years. So, 
if you start looking at storyline and say the Lakers get over 50 wins, say they're a top four seed in the West and LeBron has another incredible statistical season. And the reason why he's been able to do this offensively and improve the way he has is, um, He's amazing. And then, you know, he's decided to pick his spots more and more on defense. And last year he took a significant decline defensively with, with any numbers. It's not debatable. And if you want to go ahead and be wrong, you can debate me on it, but you're just going to be incredibly wrong. I mean, the guy just decided I'm not going to do this. And it was actually strategically, it was great. Um, because no one really ever pointed it out. And people kept saying, like, how could you become more efficient shooting? How could you put up these kinds of numbers? Well, he just said, you know what? Like, if no one's going to pay attention and knock me defensively, then I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and everyone will praise him. And I think the carryover of him not winning it five years, the expectations for the Lakers are not that he has to be the one seed. They just have to be pretty good and still have none of us think that they're seriously going to come out of the West. Like, that alone would be enough. And maybe one other guy turns into a stud and we feel like it's all because of LeBron. Like, that's the route. Of, that's the storyline for LeBron James winning MVP, and that's why I actually think he should be the favorite. So I don't have a problem with that. Davis at plus 350, it's going to be tough for them to win enough games because I don't really love that team. If Drew Holiday's healthy and Davis is there, that's good. But I think with the Miritich-Randall pairing, I'm not sure how that's all going to work, and they don't have a lot of depth because they've screwed up draft picks and they've spent on really bad role players. But, hey, the cap went up, so those Solomon Hills contract was actually good. Giannis... Giannis would have to have kind of a storybook next tier level of a player, which is really hard to think because he's almost there right now. Harden at plus 500 should not be in front of Kawhi. My pick is going to be Kawhi because I'm not as worried about the injury. I think he shut it down because he didn't want to play there anymore. And that would get back to the beginning of this podcast and kind of the love, hate, and the power of the player. Sometimes I like the power of the player. That one, I don't know, man. I mean, you play nine games just because you didn't want to be there anymore. Um and we could sit there, and I've heard people say he's, well, we don't know how healthy he's going to be. I'll be shocked if Kawhi doesn't look 100% like Kawhi health-wise to go through this season. I, I just, I, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. So I would pick him now. I'm not saying the odds are wrong. Um, look, I'm not the one running a sports book. But I would go ahead and, and put down for Kawhi. Durant's behind him. Westbrook, I think, has no shot at winning. Embiid be a sneaky long odds here because I could see that if Philadelphia really improved on last year and Embiid's healthy the whole time. I don't think Steph will ever get there. I think there is a version of Kyrie where, you know, his points would have to stay the same. Are there too many guys possibly? I just don't think Kyrie's going to be under 20 points a game despite how talented the rest of that team is. Horford may take zero shots a game this entire season with Hayward coming back. I don't know what Hayward's going to look like. I think there's also some concerns. Um, you know, Jalen Brown may be thinking, hey, you know what? I'm sick of hearing about Tatum the whole time. Like, I'm the man. He's a vocal dude. I could see him getting a little frustrated. So, yeah, I mean, if there's a way to try to figure out, like, the downside of any of these stories or this stuff, I think there's one where Kyrie, you go, oh, this is new. Redemption. Boston looks like, the you know, they're the one seed, but like a good one seed and not a one seed that you're like, I still don't think that team's coming out of the East like we've seen the last couple of years. Just had to use this the other day. Uh, my brother, who does all of our music here, just had a baby girl, and I'm really excited for him. I'm going to go uh, up and visit. I've seen babies before, but this one... Um is related to me, so it should mean a little bit more. So I had to get some family members' uh, hotels last minute, and I went to my app on my phone, Hotel Tonight. Here's a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. That's how Hotel Tonight scores such incredible deals. They team up with awesome hotels to help them sell these rooms and pass those savings along to you. And these aren't last resort places. 
Hotel Tonight works with cool, top-rated hotels you actually want to stay at. And even though their name's Hotel Tonight, not just for last-minute bookings, so you can use it whether you'd like to plan ahead or play things by ear. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. Start using Hotel Tonight now. Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get incredible deals. Your one-stop shop for booking hotels helps you discover cool, top-rated boutique hotels at incredible values. Pick... Any weekend, perfect for weekend getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips. Um, I got a trip coming up soon, and it's going to be split up between weekend and then staying with the family. And you know what? I already planned it out, and I'm pumped, and they don't even know. And they were like, hey, you're going to stay with us for six days? I'm going to surprise them by saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to do a little grown-up thing and not stay with you the entire time. And that's thanks to Hotel Tonight. No long, endless list of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at the best hotels. Short profiles of each hotel with all the info you need and everything you need with the pictures, what the hotel looks like, what it what it feels like. It's intense. Hotel Tonight, HT Perks Program, where the more you book, the better the deals get. So get the app, get it on your phone, Hotel Tonight, super easy to use. Just type in the town, when you want to go, night of, picture, scroll through the whole thing, scan, trace the little bed, boom, you're in your room, and you're good to go. As far as the finals matchup, just to be different, I'm going to go Golden State, Toronto. I'm just going to do that because I don't want it to sound like everybody else would do Golden State Boston. I've toyed with that in the past where I was like, I just want to pick somebody other than Cleveland. I want to pick somebody other than Cleveland. And I just couldn't. I couldn't. And, you know, cool. Ended up being right when everybody else was picking the exact same thing the entire time. If it's the East, I don't, I still don't think Giannis has a season in him. Like he would have to be off the charts, like early Michael Jordan craziness. For that Bucks team, even if they're going to run a better offense that suits him from what, you know, Buds is going to be running. I just, how are they, how is Mal, how is Milwaukee getting ahead of them? I mean, could you even argue that Philly was a little fluky last year? Okay. Yeah. We're, you know, towards the end of the year, that fool's gold time of the year where everybody else seems to want to be tanking and Philadelphia won every time. Well, they still ended up the three seed because there's also a version of saying, all right, if Philly's a little fluky last year, could there be a version of it where they get even better and Fultz figures it out? Yeah. Like they could. Like I don't know what to do with Fultz at this point, but there's, I wouldn't say that that version of the story, you couldn't talk me into it. It's not impossible. So I think Philly's in play, which makes it tougher for Milwaukee. Boston certainly is. Toronto, but I'm just going to go with Raptors. I'm going to put Kawhi as my MVP. As far as the West, I I think what Houston did last year was so remarkable. They made Golden State look as un-Golden State, and I'm talking about the the prime version of Golden State, not not the not the Chuck version. That doesn't even make any sense because I'm knocking the team that won a title and won 73 games, um, a title before the 73 games and blowing the 3-1 lead, which I think you've heard about before. But they made the Durant, the Rockets made the Durant version of the Warriors look as unwarriors for six quarters as I can ever remember seeing. And it, it just was like, wait a minute, the Warriors are going to go lose this thing? Like this is actually going to happen? And so as I watch that play out, like I look at Houston and go, can they get back to that and then get over that, that hill again? Is it going to be a Chris Paul injury? Is it going to be Harden missing shots for two straight games? Are they going to miss Ariza Mbamute a ton? Does Capella get better? You know, um, there was even the, the talk of the Butler trade for Houston, and that would have moved them off of P.J. Tucker. And if you looked at all the pieces that Houston's going to move out, you go, you know what, you just have to do that deal for, for Jimmy Butler. But then it's like, man, P.J. Tucker's so important for them because they can go small and he can switch on to big guys. 
So can they, can that group mess with Golden State enough defensively to get Golden State off of its game for what felt like, you know, almost two full games in the Western Conference playoffs? Cause I couldn't believe it was happening as it was happening. And I just don't know that it can happen again. For whatever reason, Oklahoma City, who I didn't love at the beginning of last, or the beginning of last season, and then there'll be moments where I go, oh, I think they're figuring this thing out. A lot of them are offensively. There weren't many defensively. And I didn't think they were great against good teams. And so for them to lose out in the first round, I, I, you know, it wasn't, it didn't blow me away. And for some reason this year, because it seems more settled, because the mellow thing isn't an issue, and because Paul George is there in the long term, and three, four of their top guys are all pretty good. Like, I actually like them a little bit more. And then I think you're going to factor in Utah as well with what will be another season, season two from Donovan Mitchell. The last thing I'll say here is about Golden State because this thing is always over before we think it is and to get out ahead of it and say, hey, they don't win this year. Cause that's usually what happens with these great teams is that it ends before any of us think it'll end. And that's why I always thought like when Jeff Van Gundy would be on the broadcast going, they're going to win seven, eight, ten titles in a row. You're like, well, that's not going to happen. And I don't know if that's Durant leaving after this year. And I don't know if that's Cousins in the moment this year. Now, from all accounts, and I've been digging on this, Cousins has been great, getting along with everybody. The real question with Cousins will be, when you're not getting shots, when everybody else is running up and down the court, how are you going to feel? And if he can accept that for an entire season, hell, he can even be be mad about it like three or four times and then get over it and not be a pain in the you-know-what, and it still would be okay. But I've heard great things, and I don't put that under the hey, fake PR, let's get this message out there that Cousins is fitting in perfectly because um, I, I just, look, you can trust me, you can not trust me. There's a lot of that stuff that happens this time of year where I'll be reading things and being like, oh, a source dropped all this stuff. And, uh, you know, they're just doing this to to get it out there. Uh, I don't feel like that's what I was being told, that Cousins to this point, I don't even know if you say pleasant surprise, but so far right now everything's good. I know that the projections are January, uh, for January for Cousins' return. I think it could be even before that. I've heard he's doing more drills than what's actually being reported. And everything's, you know, all systems go on this thing and that he could come back earlier, but they're not going to rush it. I still wouldn't have done it because if we sit here and we try to orchestrate, I don't say orchestrate, let's say like if you were outlining the demise of the Golden State Warriors and trying to figure out how it would happen, like, why would you invite in something that could make it happen? I understand why they did the deal. They got him on the cheap. He reached out to them. Um, it also makes me realize how different I look at Cousins than even guys that are playing in this league when people complain to other players like, oh, you got to be kidding me. The best team just got the best center. How rare and, um, I don't know, I guess just in the minority, my opinion on DeMarcus Cousins is as a guy that I just wouldn't want to have around my team. But... If it's something that's established and there are players that he respects, somebody like Draymond Green, and it all works out, then good for everybody, including DeMarcus Cousins. I'll be happy for him if he has a kind of non-turmoil-ish season, if that's the right way to put this whole thing together. So I think Golden State does it one more time, and then I do think one of the pieces, not Cousins, because he'll be gone, because he's not going to play for $5 million a year again, but I do think one of those main... So I think this is the last year that we'll see this version of Golden State Um and it doesn't mean that next year's version, meaning 2019 into 20, won't also still be an awesome team. Atlanta Hawks depth chart. We should do this every week. Um, maybe it won't. Maybe the Atlanta Hawks depth chart, doing it that way every week, isn't going to be great. Um, yeah, so maybe we don't have to do it that way. Hawks, starters. <laughs> 
Um, here we go. Trey Young, Kent Bazemore, Torian Prince, John Collins, and Dwayne Dedman, who I've always liked. Behind them, Jeremy Lin, Kevin Huerter, um, Tyler Dorsey, Omari Spellman, Alex Len. There you go. They got Poitras too, and a couple other guys. Vince Carter. Uh, double checking this. Vince. Yep. Right. He played four preseason games this year, 58 games last year. All right, there you go. So that way you're armed for the season. You've got my MVP picks, my finals picks that weren't that interesting, all the gossip ahead of time, a couple ads even, a weird love-hate thing that I started with, and the Atlanta Hawks depth chart. Rate, review, subscribe, the Rosillo Show pod, and uh, we'll probably bring back to some football and some – I'll split it up, football and basketball, uh, coming up next week. And I'll be back. I'll be with Sports Center uh, with Van Pelt a uh, couple nights through the start of the season. I'm flying back to Connecticut Wednesday morning. Talk to you then.